Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, it's going to be a busy show here. We've got a busy next couple of weeks uh, on both the men's and women's side. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, just a reminder, ways you can get in touch with this show. Of course, the new website, www.hefpod.com. Follow the live statistic zone during the match if you can't be near a TV or if you just want to check in to see if Christian Jakic has been kicked out yet. Uh, that's on our on our statistic zone at hefpod.com. You can follow on Twitter, <laughs> twitter.com forward slash HEF pod or X or whatever you're calling it these days. Um, and of course on Instagram, Matt's uh, back in the back in the swing of things with the Instagram account. We'll be uh, up on there all weekend posting content. That's Instagram at Hey on Track Frankfurt. And of course you can message the show. Hey, on track Frankfurt at gmail.com or submit a form on the website. Um, and then, of course, the Discord chat, 24-7 chatter that was on fire today uh, during the Europa Conference League match. That uh, Discord link is available on our social media accounts and at hefpod.com. There's a link to that as well. Uh, so get in touch with the show. Tell us what you have. Uh, I was off for the last episode. But definitely shout out to uh, to one of our youngest listeners and his father. Uh, but Sam Spain, who plays uh, midfield with his St. Moctis under 10 side in Ireland. Uh, Sam got to go to his first on-track match. Uh, not, not a great result against Stuttgart. But uh, my panelists today and myself remember finally our first matches in Frankfurt. Uh, seeing on-track play in person and walking into the Waldstadion and uh, really happy that Sam had that opportunity with his father, Eddie. Eddie's a longtime listener of the show, partakes in all the social media stuff with us, too. So uh, proud for that father-son moment. We appreciate their listenership. And, of course, while they were in Frankfurt, they painted the town in half-pod stickers. So if you want some stickers to show off, uh, whether it's in your own man cave like I've done here, or if you're traveling and want to throw them up on lampposts somewhere where it's not frowned upon and gets you fined. Um, give us a shout. Hit me up on Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash C in the D 313 or on hefpod.com. We'll get you some stickers or other swag. We're sitting on a lot of it. We got to get that out to you guys. Uh, so that's enough of my rambling. Um, I'm going to get right to my panelists, uh, write down I 96 from me on the east side, best side of the state, depending who you ask. Uh, Garrett in Detroit. Garrett, I wish we had a little better news on the scoreline today, but we still have a lot to talk about with a 2-1 loss to Pauk uh, in Europa Conference League play. <sighs> yeah. How are you feeling? Have you recovered? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where um, you go into it, you know that you got to get you know what's at stake, and you know if you don't get it, you know where you're going to wind up being at. Um, you know, unfortunately, we now know we have two extra games that we're going to be playing at the beginning of 2024, the second month of the year. Um, and for the second time this year, we lose a game in the Bundesliga on a Saturday, and then our next game in Europe, the Conference League against Pauk, we lose. So thankfully, that's the last time this shit's happening right now on that. So, um, 
let's see what Sunday brings. But, you know, part of uh, getting over something and making sure you're over something is talking about it. So I suppose this is our third. Like, I like the positivity there. Uh, let's start with the lineup, uh, the three four three. Of course, Kevin Trapp, as always, in the back. More on him shortly. Uh, Tuta, Pacho, Smolchich in the back. Uh, nice to see Smolchich in there, and then it wasn't so nice, but we'll get to that. Uh, in the middle, Bimbe, Larson, Shkiri, and Cuckoo. And then up front, uh, Chibi, Marmouche, and Goza. Um, three, four, three, Smolchich back there. What were your thoughts about this lineup? It, for me, it felt like a rock solid group to run out, and um, the shape was appropriate, I think, given the way that. They handled us last time. I thought it gave us good balance and, you know, left and right, forward to the back, just stability. And, you know, we kind of held our own early on. But anything in the lineup that surprised you? Anyone that sat on the bench that you wanted to see in there? Maybe an Ansgar Canal for someone like that? You know, I think I really liked the lineup because I was going to, I was actually in a way surprised because I really thought for a moment we were going to continue the back four with Robin Cock out. But I'll tell you what, our intent in that first half, or especially the first 25, 30 minutes, especially from Niels and Cuckoo, I thought was really – somebody, I forget who dropped that line in there in the cord, but um, about in Cuckoo channeling Philip Kostic. And he had a couple really, really good moments, um, whether it's creating shots, shooting, taking shots on his own, or winning challenges and setting up Marmouche. I think it tells you when we have a front three as opposed to the two number 10s and the guy behind there because I think our intent was good today. Um, we weren't trying to like sit back. We were trying to, like, okay, we, we got to get something. Let's go at it. And I think that was a bit more positive than Stuttgart. Um, but Pauk didn't lie down if anything they you know i know samada from his time playing in the premier league with aston villa um is it kovic or zerovic i think zinovich their other um attacker that was also causing an issue so it's you know it was a battle of we're all, we're both going to get our chances and who's going to crack first yeah, um, it, it's been an issue the last several weeks, um, but that middle window of the match, we've had a couple where it turned out okay, and we actually scored a couple goals there, but I thought there was some positivity in the later part of the first half um, up until that first goal by Pauk where we just kept things steady. You know, we played well. We outplayed them. It wasn't significant margin, but I thought we were the better team. Um, maybe we didn't take advantage of a couple opportunities that were there, but we certainly didn't break down anywhere either that really cost us major chances. Kevin Trapp had a really nice kick save, a, a beauty, as you'd say in the hockey world, a kick save and a beauty um, late in the first half. But other than that, you know, maybe one good chance each way, but fairly level. Uh, where things changed for me was that first Pauk goal. And this is where I want to talk about Kevin Trapp for a minute because we are 
nowhere near who we are as a successful club over the last decade without Kevin Trapp. He's been the most important piece, the most stable piece, minus, minus his time away at PSG. There's no better bearer of the Eintracht crest than Kevin Trapp. Um, Makoto Hasebe aside, but <laughs> um, Kevin Trapp cost us that first goal. And, uh, you know, I, I saw some people blaming Tuta and, and Smolcic for not getting his head on the ball. But I'm going to be honest, as a former keeper myself, if that ball touches the ground in between the posts in that six-yard box, that's your ball. you got to be on that. And the lack of communication, the lack of of aggression by either Trap or Tuta, uh, that's a mistake. And it's a costly one. Uh, but we made up for it. That that answer just two minutes later, uh, fantastic finish, fantastic cross, fantastic finish. Every piece of that was the exact response you need. Before we move to the late part of the match, Garrett, the the emotional swing that a goal takes in Europe and the fact that we did not allow Pauk to take that, I thought was a positive thing. Uh, we were immediately aggressive and got the equalizer and then really took control of the game for a while at that point. I felt like things were, were signed, sealed and delivered at that point. And obviously we we're wrong, but what do you, what was working so well in the second half there? that had everyone feeling so positive? I think when when Pauk took the lead, when Kedziora got it in the 55th minute, it was one of those moments, and I've seen it, I've actually seen this from Trap a couple of times over the years, but uh, like I agree with you in the idea, if, if there's a ball in the box, you either A, run to it as the keeper and also the captain, or you're commanding like, hey, one in the back three because it was four people standing around like deers in the headlights. And I think at that moment it was like, we have ourselves to blame for this. Let's pull this back. And, you know, they, they definitely did that. Um, you know, great ball movement. Um, whipped it out in. Shaibi, Marmush. The header by Marmush was great because it looked like how he was he was he caught it with his head diving but he was going away from it at the same time um caught it in the corner and then we looked like we were going off to the races and just you know the intent was going in well too um unfortunately like just before um Pauk took the lead Elish Skiri uh got hurt and Kristen Yakich came on um and I think that also may have swayed some things a little bit definitely swayed some things later which we know we're going to talk about um but it's i felt like we were going i think buta um what time when did buta come on buta came on in the 74th minute just before um or just a little bit after but i felt like there was a lot of movement being created there was chances in there and bembe was causing havoc um, Marmush was all over the place, whether linking with Mbembe or trying to connect with Larson and Chaidi. Like a lot of ground was covered, and you really think like, okay, we're getting this because the crowd was up for it too. The team was playing well, but Moody Diva gonna Moody Diva, right? Yeah, it's always gonna happen. Um, 
I was hoping for a little more Nacho Ferry. Uh, I think his energy is critical in matches like these where it's just a slugfest back and forth. But a game where we take, uh, what is statistics on here? It says 65% possession and uh, about 40% more passes than Pauk. That's, to me, one where we have to find that go-ahead goal. And for about 15 minutes after we tied it, it felt like only a matter of time before that was coming. And then, lo and behold, um, back in the defensive end, Christian Jakic goes chasing out of position a bit. Not terribly. Not not terribly bad yet, as we'll get to in a bit. Um, but Trap again, um, generally reliable, but makes a, a reasonable save on a very hard shot. Uh, but he gives up too big of a rebound. And, of course, it just happened to go to the left side, right uh, to a waiting attacker who puts in the winner. That one's frustrating for me just from the perspective of Kevin Trapp doesn't do that. Balls don't balls don't bounce off his wrist into bad positions. Uh, he's very good at rebound control, whether it's kicking it or uh guiding it away from the goal or over the goal, what whatever it be. We looked at it a couple times before we started this recording to see if there was a weird bounce or anything. There was nothing like that. Just a tough take by Trap. I'm not blaming anything on him. I think that's a little harsh, but certainly some responsibility. I know he would be uh, bold enough to put that on himself. But, you know, that's the kind of thing where you can't really change it. It happened. Uh, we didn't get the points we needed to take the group. So now we just have to work on momentum. Like you said, we know we're going to have two more matches at the beginning of the year. That sucks. We really don't need more on the schedule, but it is what it is. That's the way the cookie crumbled, right? Yeah, and I think also, too, because I know Trap's going to look at that back, and, you know, I think he's going to be like, he'll be, he'll be mad at himself. And I hopefully that. You know, it was a shot in the arm for Sunday, which we'll get to. Um, I also commend that we didn't get the equalizing goal, but we just didn't lie down after something like that. Something like that, a flute goal like that, which Zivkovic got on the rebound, a team could like fall apart after that, and the game could become a lot worse than a one-goal game. That didn't become that. How many times were we? Yes. How many times were we yelling or laying out a giant fuck? when we had an opportunity and we missed it, the Marmush one from close range, he's going to be screaming into the night because he he'll recite that back until he gets an opportunity to make that right. Um, and you know what? I think also too, I agree with you on Ferry, maybe not getting enough time, but I also feel like there was the people that showed up late um, that came on right after that goal. Cause Dino made a couple of changes immediately after um, Buta coming on for Goza. Um, uh, well, Buta came on for Tuta. Paxton Aronson came on for Mario Goza. And I thought Paxton Erickson had a good showing too today. Um, yes. And because um, I do think, because it felt like um, Goza maybe wide out left, maybe is not his best thing these days. But I think Aronson was trying to do his best to keep it because it seemed like when we were moving the ball at a quick tempo, that's when we were really causing the most havoc. Um, 
but you know today it just wasn't it wasn't our day and that happens um and for you know the uh diva moody diva it happens quite a bit so um however are we, we've been pushing on putting it off long enough do we want to talk about <laughs> the, do we want to talk about it now yeah, so we're, we we got to get into it. Uh, it's the elephant in the room, uh, but it's too big to ignore. So Christian Jokic comes in um, when Shkiri goes out injured, which did not look good. A non-contact injury. Uh, it pulls up, holding the back of his leg. That's always, always a bad sign. We hope he's back soon. He's a critical part of what we're doing right now. Um, but Jokic comes in, who's somebody who has had his – Bright moments. He certainly filled a major role in the back line, holding things together during injuries in the past. He's played all over the pitch, and this is a match where we really needed him. He comes on in the 54th minute, uh, right right before a goal is scored that puts us down. We need his help getting back. Uh, but his head was stuck up his ass today. He had nothing to bring to the table. Uh, he was out of position, over chasing on a goal, and then he just gets hot tempered. You know, in extra time, when you're down and you only got five, six minutes of extra time added, he, you know, takes a foul. Okay, a hard foul at that. You take your card, hurry up, line up, and play. But his dumbass has to, you know, go run his mouth and take a second yellow and a red. And when you do that in the span of two minutes. Basically, by the time the ball is reset, play three or four minutes off the clock. There's no official anywhere in the world that's going to give Frankfurt the benefit of time in that situation. Your own player is wasting it. And look, it, when your ego and your your own opinion of yourself is bigger than the priority of that that crest that's on your shirt, I don't want you on my team anymore. I don't want you on my team. You put your team in a position to lose because of your own ego. Not that we weren't going to lose anyway, because we were. We were not coming back in the last three minutes of extra time. But the fact that your mind is on yourself instead of doing what you need to do to get your team back on the board, that's where I draw the line. Uh, if they yeah. let him, you know, he's under contract. He can sit around for a while. But if he never saw the 18 again, that would be totally fine by me. The Here's the point yeah. where you tell me I'm irrational. Go ahead. No, because you want to know what the fucked up part about it, too. It's not that he got two yellows based off stuff that he did all around. The first yellow card he got in the 92nd minute wasn't based off of a tackle he did. It was off of a tackle that Smolchich did, his fellow well, countrymen. Yeah, yeah then, you're right. So Smolchich gets, I think it was Ziv, was it Zivkovich? He got somebody. Smolchich caught somebody in the like in the rib. I think a guy was trying to run. He sticks his hand out a little bit. You know, you know, some in the NFL you'd call that holding. In the NHL you might call that like a little like you know holder or maybe roughing to an extent. And Yakich gets in front of the referee and is like, "What the hell?" And he gets a yellow for that. So this is ninety second minute. Um, we're rolling in the box. We have an opportunity in there. We're on the attacking side, and Yakich is really playing full on, full on box to box. He goes in and he goes lunging, um, catches somebody in the box. 
Now, and that's going to get called every time. Here's the thing that I have the wonder on this, though. There was such a delay. There was a bit of a delay after the tackle. So the foul happens, right? And it goes in. They call it. Jakic is running, like, going back to, like, normally on play. And then, like, while there's, what, 25, 30 yards distance, then, and, like, a little bit of time has passed, then the ref pulls out the second yellow. And Jakic turns around, sees that red card, and then he just, he then goes red completely because he then all of a sudden is, like, squared up nose to nose with the head official. Aronson goes to push him back. Yakich pushes him away like 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 it was nothing. He didn't even put much into it. Marmos tried. The only one to really get him away was Smolcic. And then it's like Yakich looks like he's just going to go off and go off and go off. But then he goes over and he winds up like nose to the side of the head of the fourth official. Um, I and it's one thing. Here's my thing too because I was wondering. Was there something that happened on this pit, on the pitch in those two minutes that set him off completely? You know where you know you go completely about that because we would have heard about it by now, right? You would have thinking like if something controversial happened or something weird was said to set a person off, you damn well know it would have been either online or would have been talked about in a post match interview, whether by Dino, whether by Trap, or anybody interviewed or Marcus Krolsha. But the fact that none of that's been said, or the topic of him getting sent off hasn't even been broached, is a very interesting thing. I don't know how you feel if you're feeling like me on that. Um, I I do, and I agree with that. If you look back at the Kevin Trapp situation after the match down in Greece, uh, when he took his card, and you know we, we ate the punishment, acknowledged, hey. We're going to be without our keeper because it, you know, whether it was defensible or not, it was irrelevant. The call was made and that's the way it's going to be. If it's borderline, the officials are going to get that, that benefit of the doubt. If there was anything to be argued, if something inappropriate was said or, you know, something was blatantly wrong with the officiating or, or something of, you know, sportsmanship on the pitch, we would have heard about it by now. We heard everyone air their grievances for and against Kevin Trapp after the situation in Greece. That same thing would have happened here, but it didn't because what he did was indefensible. I, I get having emotions and going to defend your teammate. God knows as a, as a hockey player, I started my fair amount of, of what are we going to call them? Not fights, uh, skirmishes because I was defending my teammates, but you have to know where that line is. The clock does not stop in this sport. And the more time you're wasting and the more time you're becoming the center of attention, the less time Eintracht Frankfurt has to try to score. And that's what it all comes down to for me. If he wants to go on Instagram and social media and flap his gums there about we were wronged or I was wronged or this or that, good, have at it. Uh, But, you know, nobody listens to you now because you lost your credibility. You lost control. You're showing up the officials on the pitch, which anyone who's listened to this show for more well, than a short time knows that with the officials. that's my number one gripe with this sport. Yeah, the men's side of the game is loaded with players like this that think getting in the official's face and intimidating them is going to change a call. It, 
And it's at every level too. Every fucking level of this game deals with it. And now it's infiltrating our side, which it's always happened, but to intimidate the official making physical contact and with the fourth official that didn't even make the call, like you're some tough guy getting up in his face, get your smelly breath out of there, go to the locker room, take your shower and get on the bus, go pack your apartment because I don't want you in Frankfurt anymore. It's that simple. Am I overreacting? Am I just a soft American again? No, I think what it is is... I think there's a heat of the moment extent to it. Um, but I do agree with you because here's the thing. And if it was, I think also in a way with Yakich, we've heard when we were starting, we had our good stretch of form in end of September, middle of October before the break. We started to hear something of Yakich rumors or Yakich going maybe in loan or Yakich to Stuttgart or anything like that. So, you know, when I always hear about rumors and players and stuff, sometimes I feel like either players are starting that shit or the players' agents are starting that stuff. Um, Now you have this stuff on there, too. And I look at, I think there was a time, and here's the thing, I don't think this is overreacting now. I also look back at the body of work that Yakich has done lately. And so, say, second half of 23 season to now. There used to be a time when a guy like Christian Yakich was a guy that um, was a vital, vital part. That 22 Europa final team, yeah, Yakich is a huge part of that. Um, Yakich is like another version of Bill Sanker, but you know, with a little bit more like versatility and stuff like that in there too. But then we get more and more creatively versatile as a squad in the technical abilities and so forth from the talent. Players like Yakich then don't become as important. And I think what was the, He's an expendable piece Bri of had this a good roster word today. Right was it a fall for grace? Is that what he referred to it as today? I think. You know, I, I, I'm going to disagree with that. I don't know if it's a fall from grace as much as it is just you reminded us how little you provide to this group. Yes. Because when I look about when I look at where we would be with him being suspended for the last match against Aberdeen, or if the club takes action against him for being a diva. Uh, what what are we really losing there? We're losing a warm body, but is he really bringing something that, you know, if Rhoda was healthy, I'd rather have him in there. Uh, not, you know, looking at our depth chart right now, but I could find a couple other guys to provide what he does. So to me, he's entirely expendable. Agreed. And I also think, too, you got – I look at a guy – okay, so like Yakich maybe out. Yeah, there's a bit of versatility, but it's like, all right, so we have Ansgar Knauf. Okay, we got um, Jens Peter Hauga who can fill roles in there. This is, you know, somebody else that hasn't, you know, shown their ass because that's – I want to call – Yakich a diva here because that I think yet ya- what Yakich did is disrespectful to the term diva. Yakich just showed his fucking ass today, and, and we're we're a we're a club of divas. We are the diva club. We are. what he did. You're exactly right. It was disrespectful because the diva that we love ultimately in the end shows up, and he wasn't there to do that for us. So now I look at it. It's like okay, we've seen some. 
more so than any other year recently, we have seen an intent for young Frankfurt talent that have either playing in you know the spy side and uh, original Liga or whatever to get minutes. We're seeing the growth of Patrick Naritson before us. We're seeing Nacho Ferry come in and get minutes. Hell, we even saw Elias Baum get key minutes in at Huyaku three weeks ago. Um, like Venig. I mean, these are the way I see it. It's like okay. People, there's people that have been hardly that have been working, doing their shit quietly. Um, go for it now. I look at Shkiri. Okay, Shkiri, he's gonna probably be. In, he's probably out, especially if the reports of him going to the hospital this evening. Yeah, that's really, really fucking concerning. Um, I hope that he does get better in, uh, quickly on that. But it's like, okay, Jens Peter Haga, show us what you got. Marcel Venig, if you're healthy, show us what you got. Um. You know, tw- maybe move Marmush a little bit into more of an attacking mid stuff on there and give Nachos a whole lot of minutes. I think, I don't think Yakich being gone for that is a big, big, big loss because at the end of the day, the way we're playing now, um, I think he's taking a spot. I think right now it's maybe right. It may, and he's feel. I feel like he's taking a spot that somebody else could benefit from. I agree. So that's it for uh, our recap of the match. Let's take a look at, at where we are in the standings here after five matches of Europa champions. Wow. I really bombed that one. <laughs> Europa conference league play. Say it uh, five times fast. You know, I just, I still hate this competition. I mean, I'm glad we're playing matches, but I still, I just don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Five matches about to played. Ask you, do you, what do you dislike more, this competition or Nuremberg? I got, I plead the fifth. I got silence out of you. Excellent. <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth. Uh, yeah, let's go back to standings. That's a good question. I'll answer that one offline. Um, so five matches played. Uh, Pauk has securely uh, wrapped up this group after three points today, 13 points through five matches, uh, just one draw on the board for them. Frankfurt has secured advancement to the next round. Uh, we'll have two matches. Do we know what month those are in early next year? Uh, the round of 32 takes place in February. Um, I believe it, they're back-to-back weekends. I think it's the middle. Either, I think it's the third and the second and third or third and fourth weeks in February. Okay. And not that they matter, uh, but Aberdeen, who we play in match day six coming up, uh, they're in third on three points. And Hoiku, I got it right this time, with two points uh, at the bottom of the table. So, that's where we stand now in Europa Conference League play. Not a lot to play for against Aberdeen, but certainly um, plenty to play for as far as form, consistency. We're going to talk about the upcoming schedule in a little bit. It's about to get a little bit crazy. Uh, so let's not sleep on Aberdeen because that one could hurt us in more ways than one. Um, while we're talking Europa, let's look at what other Bundesliga teams are doing. In Europe right now, uh, Bayern is running away with Group A in the Champions League. Uh, they have four wins out of five matches in Group A. Uh, they drew yesterday with Copenhagen, uh, who's second in the group there. There's a little bit to battle for. 
but Bayern is safely through to the next round. Um, and the other Champions League uh, team right now, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, Union Berlin just having a brutal time uh, in all competitions. But in Champions League play, they are five matches played in Group C without a single victory. They're sitting on two points off two draws. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm running out of hope that they're going to turn things around. I don't know about you, Garrett. I, I know they made the change on the staff, but is it going to be too little too late for them? I think for European competition, yes. Um, Certainly. The, um, the way they got the draw late um, this past weekend in league play was, um, you could say, spirited. But you look at a squad now that hasn't won a competitive match since the end of August. Where it's three plus months now. Um, okay. That's historically bad. They're now granted they're draw they're drawing more. They've gotten two straight mat two straight competitive matches in all competitions without a loss. That's something to go. But you know where Union's got to go to this coming weekend, right? They got to go to Bayern. Where are they going? They go to Bayern. <laughs> so. Do, do you make that three in there or does Bayern pissed off because they went nil nil against Copenhagen and realize that they have to be almost win every week, the way Leverkusen's playing. That could get ugly, dude. If there was a match there, you just see it going the other way. This is not it. I, I, I mean, I'm not even joking. It's like, you know how we'd play terrible and be like, well, you know, we're going to, to Bavaria where we're going to try to win for the first time in 20 years. And, oh, look, we did it. It's not like that. This is like 10 times worse what, what Union is going through right now. And we keep trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because they're a likable club. It's, you know, an admirable uh, fight that they put up for several years. But I'm with you. I, I think it could get real ugly down there this weekend. Now, if that being um, said, if they get a point, if they beat Bayern or take points off that, I'll laugh my, laugh my ass off of because who doesn't love to see that? But then again, I realize. Oh, sure, we don't. We're we're all pulling for that. <laughs> but then again, I remember. Wait, who is Bayern's next match in the league? Oh, wait, us. Shit. Us. <laughs> um, I don't want them angry when we face them. <laughs> yeah. So agreed. Looking at the other. A UEFA tournament, the Eintracht Frankfurt Invitational, or as the rest of Europe calls it, Europa League. Uh, Freiburg sitting at second in Group A on how many points do they have? 12 points. So they're tied with West Ham um, on points. They are well ahead on goal differential, but the head-to-head uh, is what costs them there. I haven't seen this group, uh, but it is tight at the top. That'll be fun to see how match day six pans out there in group A. And then uh, at the bottom of the the table in group H, uh, Leverkusen running away with their group 15 points through five matches. They're safely through to the next round of Europa League play. Um, Kind of an interesting thing there because Leverkusen – uh, humble brag, my pick to win the league from day one. Um, now running away, not the hardest group I've seen by any stretch of the imagination in Europa League, but certainly focused. Um, the same, you know, five wins through five matches there, that same focus they're showing in league play 
where every match out is just a business trip. 14 goals for and two allowed in five Europa League matches. You're, you're going to be successful. And that's pretty the, much the ratio they're bringing to the league, too. And it shows you, too, since they made the coaching change, uh, it was in late October last year when they put Xavi Alonso in. They are, I argue that they've been the best team in Germany from year to, from where, from Xavi coming in, Xavi Alonso coming in to where they're at now. They are consistently in and out, maybe the most dangerous team. Um, and especially this year, like, you know, and especially the Thursday, Sunday, we've had our fair share yeah. of Thursday, Sundays over the years, and we've suffered in one elements of those, especially in the later parts of the year when it really kicks in. These guys aren't even breaking a sweat with that. It is very easy to trip up on those Thursday, Sundays. And I, knocking on wood here because we're about to go through with that one again. Um, but you see, you know, it was nice to have the full emotion back in the stadium today. It was loud. There was plenty of energy there um, despite what happened last week. But I felt like um, this is the kind of situation where it's good that Frankfurt's going on the road. Not that we're getting into our preview now, but as we're talking about emotions in the stadium, how many times have we had a big Europa League match, win or lose at home, and then followed it up with a clunker? Uh, I think a road trip here is beneficial to a team like Frankfurt that's you know, prone to emotional, self-induced emotional distress. And I think it might be one of those positive things to go on the road away from distractions and be focused. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um... I'm trying to think who else do we have in Bundesliga in comp in European competitions right now. It's the only one left. We've talked about Bayern. We've talked about Freiburg. We've talked about Union. Uh, I skipped somebody, Liverpool. didn't I? Yeah. Um, the group of death in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. That's funny because that's the one I looked at the longest before we sat down here. And uh, Borussia Dortmund, who a little bit of a shocker for me for their – up and down in league play, uh, leading a table that has Dortmund, PSG, Newcastle, and AC Milan. That is, I mean, on paper and in real life, a group of death right now. And Dortmund's on 10 points through five matches, three clear of PSG going into that final match, um, final match day in Europe. And, of course, they'll play PSG. So... That's uh, December 13th, 3 o'clock. That's probably going to be must-see TV for right. two clubs that we all love to hate. And I think, too, it's like you look at Dortmund. They lost that was the, they lost the opening Champions League match um, against PSG. And then, you know, they draw with Milan, and they're off to a rough start in the first two games. But then they rebounded those two back-to-back -back wins against Newcastle. Um I think it was what was the first win against Newcastle was um, the first win against Newcastle was before they played us. And then right. they had to like, you know, pull something out of their ass in the second half, which unfortunately we've seen happen multiple times when we've played them over the years. Um, and then, you know, they responded after the Bayern match um, after their classicer, which was, you know, Maybe one of the ugliest I've seen from them yet. And we've seen some ugly Dare Classicers for Dortmund over the years. Um, they responded by beating Newcastle in a big game there. 
So, like, they've shown up well in Champions League at that moment, and then they seemed like they turned it around over the weekend in Bundesliga coming back against Gladbach. Now, is this going to be another let-off in league play um, after that? I don't know, but I think they know that winning the group is in their hands, and if you win that group, because I was thinking about it tonight, like our result tonight made me think about last year and what would have happened, what might have happened had we won the group, had we won the group instead of finishing second. And I think back to that and I'm like, if you're Dortmund, you want to win that group because you don't want to have to go to a first place team. You won't get Bayern, but you'll get somebody else that's rolling and that could be Curtis. Uh, and the last team that we're not going to talk anything about, that tin can full of sugar up in Leipzig. They're Choke through the next artist. Yep, nobody cares. Uh, so let's move on to uh, hashtag what are we drinking. Um, I am in the southwest corner of the state. I actually had to Google it because I drink their beer. I don't know where it's from. Tapestry Brewing in Bridgman, Michigan actually closer to Chicago than anywhere else. So right by that Indiana, Michigan border, um, tapestry brewings, Northern tip in new England style IPA. They, actually, I bought this one because the can is pretty cool. It's got like Northern Michigan, uh, foliage in the orange and yellow colors of the fall. I was waiting uh, for you to the, say Northern Michigan Huskies. I was like, wait a minute. It's a green and yellow can. That would be the Northern Michigan wildcats. But My bad, I got confused. That's for a hockey discussion for another day. <laughs> Get him Garrett, what have you been sipping lately? Um, well, I was having a glass of Milo's Natural Unsweetened Iced Tea, which highly recommend, folks, especially if you're weaning off pop. Um, although I was just been realizing I hadn't had this. I just poured a nice glass of low-fat chocolate milk because it's been a couple of days. Um I realize a glass of chocolate milk is like a, is like kind of like having ice cream. And you know what? I feel like spoiling myself as we are now experiencing proper Michigan weather in, Dece- uh, in what December is in an hour away. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to uh, all of you, wherever you're listening to HefPod, wherever you're watching Eintracht, we say to you, Prost. We'll be right back. Segment two. Welcome back to Hi- Hey on Trek Frankfurt, uh, segment two here, Garrett in Detroit, Chris in the middle of the mitten. It's an all Michigan show today. It will not be going forward. We're going to have the rest of the panel uh, coming back piece by piece for a variety of, of features coming up soon. Uh, but Garrett, let's shift back from European play to Bundesliga play. Um, we've kind of been out of it for a bit here as far as is looking at deep dives in the table and where things stand right now. Um, but there's a heavy match day coming up, uh, some really interesting matchups and ones that are going to have a lot of impact on the way the table shapes up uh, going forward through December to the winter pause. Um, we'll talk about our match later, but 
One I've got my on my eye on Leverkusen and Dortmund. Um, Dortmund won't go away. <laughs> Sitting at twenty four points right now. I think some had written them off with a couple of recent losses. Uh, they were higher up. They failed to maintain that. Uh, but certainly a win over Leverkusen, putting the brakes on that machine, um, could help their chances right now. Certainly Bayern would like that too, as they face a struggling Union Berlin. Um, are there any matches on this upcoming weekend of interest to you? I, another one, <coughs> excuse me, another one that I think is interesting. Um, I've got a an interesting one here. My upset alert for the week is Stuttgart and Werder Bremen. Uh, Bremen is due. Uh, they're, I still think they're tough. I, I think they're going to catch Stuttgart off guard. I'm not buying Stuttgart in third right now. If you want to tell me they're fifth or sixth, I'd take it. Um, I'm not buying it. But is that a crazy take? Am I totally insane? No, because I think you look at the games that Stuttgart have lost this year, and the game like they've lost to Heidenheim this year. That was a game that was late, but it was one of those entertaining nil nil uh, nil nils for a long time that Stuttgart were going to lament chances, but then Heidenheim scored two goals late. Um, Bremen shown that they're will they can score goals. I mean, Dusk and you know our dear our dear old friend Rafael Santos Barre, we love you still, buddy. Um, you know they're doing well, um, and they also got some going in there. They just got to defend. Um, we've already talked about the potential train whipping in uh, Munich on Saturday morning when Union traveled to Bayern. But um, here's a couple games where I feel like there's potential upsets, and then I'm going to give you um, my couple games to really look at as far as the league goes. Um, Heidenheim go to Leipzig. And if there's anything that we can say about Heidenheim, not just from our experience playing them on October 8th, but also Heidenheim this season, Heidenheim do not go away in matches. They fight. And they, um, I kind of, you know, I, you kind of, you know, you know, those teams that you get sympathy for, for their work rate and how they keep going in games and approaches. Heidenheim's one of those teams for me this year. Um, Frank Schmidt's done yeah. some really a really really good job with them. Um, Leipzig have dropped have dropped points at home against teams l- much lower than them in the table this year. Uh, Bauckham as an example. Um, Heidenheim might be gaining something out of that game. Um, another one potentially to really look at and see um, as far. And then I'll give into the two like two like I'd watch matches. Uh, Munchen Gladbach take it on Hoffenheim. I think Munchen Gladbach is starting to click more offensively lately. Alisson plays been really clicking goals and assists. Um, I forget the name of the young talent from Munchen Gladbach that came up through them since the eight, like a member of Munchen Gladbach since birth, uh, in their academies, uh, in their in their ranks as a player since seven, um, couple goals in a row. Um, but Hoffenheim have won five. Five of their six ones have been on the road this year, so I think that's going to be a really good match. Uh, Friday tomorrow, or soon to be later on today, uh, Darmstadt versus Köln. Um, that is a bottom half battle. Um, what is Köln made of this year? Um, are they indeed the bottom team, or are they just going through a really rough patch and about to turn it around? We will see. And then Balkum for as bad on- as they have been. 
for as bad as they've been, a victory on Friday, and they're right back in the conversation of safety. Yep, and the other one, VFL Balkum versus VFL Wolfsburg. Um, Wolfsburg just ended their Bundesliga league struggle with a 2-1 win over the weekend against Bayer, against IRB Leipzig because who doesn't love a win over a sh- over the sugar uh, <laughs> drink, folks? However, um, VFL Balkum are a team that have they've they've are they've only won once this year, but they are in 14th place because they have seven draws this year out of 12 matches. Um, another team that fights. Like their keeper had two penalty kicks saved at Leipzig, securing a nil-nil earlier in the year. Um, another one of our dear former dialer in Gonzalo Paciencia, still a hair guy. Also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Gonzalo Paciencia about to become a father? I thought I saw something for that this week. If that's the case, many congratulations, buddy. Um, you know, is it and- possible for him to smile anymore? Like oh. the best part of being a, a father is all the smiling. That yeah. dude never stops smiling as it is. I mean, yeah. I hope, man, that's got to hurt. That's you a know, lot of smiles. You know, Timmy Chandler's crying tears inside today is tears of joy. Oh, yeah. But, in there. Um, but that <laughs> couldn't be happier for him, though. But that's a Bauckham team that I think Bauckham can beat Wolfsburg, especially if Jonas Vinn doesn't score because Jonas Vinn has scored a lot, most of the NFL Wolfsburg's goals this year. Um, that is a game where, to give you an idea, if Bauckham. Say Balkan beat Wolfsburg and Bremen, Heidenheim, and Gladbach don't get anything in the table. Um, there's a chance Balkan could be 11th or 12th. So with Yikes. only their second win of the year. So There's so much clutter there. Between that 12 spot and the bottom of the table, you're talking five points. So, uh, you know, a, a, a two-weekend period of being hot or cold could sink or swim you going into uh, the winter pause. And then the only other one we didn't talk about before we talk about ours on Sunday morning at 9.30, Mainz Freiburg. Um, Mainz uh, still unbeaten with the new coach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jan Siebert, I believe is the guy's name, former Mainz player. Um, although they're going to lament they had chances to beat Hoffenheim, we, um, didn't. Freiburg, what's the Thursday, Sunday going to be for Freiburg? Um, they got they came back to get a draw against Darmstadt last weekend because I think they were being a little bit inconsistent in league form. Um, this is an opportunity for Mainz to get something to see if they can get out of the playoff spot and into into the you know secured places. But you know, you know, Freiburg got goals in them, so we'll see how this goes. There we go. All right, so as we look ahead to our matches, um, I'm going to correct you on that. Our match on Sunday against Augsburg is at 1.30 p.m., uh, but we'll get into that one in a minute. Um, the Frauen are off for the week. Uh, they'll be back December 10th, and we'll get into that one in our discussion next week. Now we're going to preview two matches here, the Bundesliga match on the weekend at Augsburg, and then next Wednesday against Saarbrücken, uh, let's start with the league match. Augsburg, Sunday, December 3rd, 1.30 here on the East Coast or Eastern Time Zone in the States. That's 12.30 in Kansas City where Brian will probably be brunching on something delicious, um, hopefully at Casey Beer Co. or maybe uh, maybe back home. But, yeah, uh, Garrett, Augsburg, how do we feel? Because this is a match that, I mean, we have a couple others in the league, but this – 
bites us if once in a while. Um, will we be bitten again? To give you, this is a potential for a trap game. Now, I'm not talking Kevin. Um, Osberg made a managerial change last month. The first game with the new manager, they were 2-0 down after eight, uh, 18 minutes to Heidenheim. Scored five in a row to win that match. They have been unbeaten in all five Bundesliga matches with their new manager. Um, they have um, they've been scoring goals this year quite a bit, actually. Um, bringing up their stat line right now. In fact, there is a player that I would not mind if he eventually becomes a Frankfurt player in Demerovic. Um, Demerovic has been consistently bagging goals um, for Augsburg since he joined them from Freiburg. Um, Christian Tietz has had a couple uh, this year. So it's at Augsburg. Um, that is something I think the... Like last year, we beat Augsburg 2-1 in Augsburg, but we fell behind like within the first minute of the match, if I recall, right? Because I was in line for coffee at the clubhouse and we allowed a goal. Um, <laughs> to, to give you an idea about Demerovic, Demerovic has got seven goals already for Augsburg this year. Um, I'm curious to see who's going to come in in the starting, in the starting lineup who didn't play today. Uh, Buta came on as a sub. Aronson came on as a sub. Um, if the scary situation scary situation is as serious as it, it man, that feels like that's wordplay right there. Um, yeah, this is a game where score. it draws. It draws not a bad thing. I don't know how you feel, bud, but um, one one. That's all I'm feeling. Okay. Um, I think Chesthrope has done a good job with this group. Um, he's managed to keep things together in a volatile situation where it could have very easily collapsed. And uh, while they don't have much star power on their team, they have a true number nine, and he's a target kind of guy. Uh, and I'm a little bit nervous about that. Um, but beyond that, if we can shut him down, um, I like our chances here. I'm a little nervous about a letdown just with the emotion coming off the loss today. Uh, but I think it is a trap game of the other variety. I think it's a Kevin trap game because the dude just did not have back-to-back -back bad days at the office. And if he was ever going to show up in a way that was going to, you know, make me eat my words, um, this is the kind of match where he'll do it. So I agree with you. It's going to be tight. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, but I think Frankfurt pulls out a victory two to one. Um, I agree. I'm worried about Shkiri and the effect that that's going to have on the lineup. But I think we have enough players off the bench who are flexible enough to cover different roles, maybe out of position, because I have also got to believe that Christian Jakic will not be around uh, for the weekend or for the foreseeable future. So I'm going to stick with two to one in a gritty type of performance. Uh, again, that's on track to Augsburg um, Sunday afternoon here in the States, evening in Europe. Uh, let us know what you think, halfpod.com and on the socials. Uh, we'll send something out. If you predict the exact score on our socials, hit us up on one of those 
and we'll send something out to you uh, for your exact score prediction. Um, I'm tracked at Sarbrucken. That's Wednesday, December 6th, 12 p.m. Eastern Time here in the States. Uh, I'll be at work pretending to work. Garrett, I know you'll be doing the same. Maybe we should just play hooky. I'm not even going to pretend. People don't even know I need to pretend. People just know I'm going to have the match on. We'll ask me how it's going. (laughs) See, my boss can't even spell soccer. She doesn't even know the game's going on. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I'll find a conference room and kind of pull the old Garrett and throw it up on a TV somewhere and act like I'm working. But, yeah, Sarbrucken, um, certainly someone we're familiar with. Uh it's the Pokal. Anything can happen. There are some tremendous matchups uh, going deep into the table here. Of course, a second division matchup, Hamburg and Hertha Berlin, um, St. Pauli and Homburg, uh, Magdeburg, Dusseldorf, Kaiserslautern, Nuremberg, Gladbach, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, Paderborn, and Stuttgart, Dortmund are the matchups. So uh, definitely some some good lookers there. I like our draw. Um, I'm really worried about the amount of, of matches we're putting on some guys right now. I'd like to see a little more rotation. So whether it's against Augsburg or here against Saarbrücken, if we could put some goals together quickly and then get some subs in because just 72 hours after Saarbrücken, we play Bayern. So it's going to be a hectic week. Um, Garrett, is this a uh, – we, we can't keep calling things trap games. Uh, is there something to be concerned about against Saarbrücken, given our history with lower division opponents in the Pokal? I think we saw when we played Victoria Cologne that we weren't fully at our best. But we're in that level of opponent, they didn't need to go – we didn't need to worry about too much. They made us – they made us sweat it out a little bit. Saarbrücken has not the win over Bayern is not the late recent thing that they've done. You know, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago about Saarbrücken making the um, semifinal of the Pokal in the 2020 season, and they're yep. in dry league right now. And I think this is a game where they'll be up for it. But playing at home, playing at home, but. If there's if there's a competition where I r- really feel good once we're in, we've had a couple matches in it. It's the Pokal. Um, it's you know how much I love the Pokal, and I'm by it, and I enjoy it because that was my first Frankfurt home match in person. Um, so there's something we know how special this. Um, this tournament is whether you live in Germany for it or you like us and you're watching from afar, especially this year when you realize that if we do the job against Saarbrücken, one of Stuttgart Dortmund's going to be out, one of Gladbach Wolfsburg's going to be out, um, Leverkusen, you know, should get the job done against Paderborn, but stranger things have happened. This is a year more than anything. Where Berlin, Berlin, Virfar, and not Berlin is a very good possibility. And um, get past Saarbrücken, and then you have a couple months off before the next one. But to do to get to that level, 
you got to get past Sarbrooken. Um, depending on how much rotation we get on Sunday, we'll kind of give you an idea how much more we'll get uh, in the Pokal. I think in Gonkum's, you agree with me, this is where we're going to see like a Yessi and Gonkum start and maybe a Haga start on Wednesday? Yeah, I think so. And I'll even go a step further with a Paxton Aronson start. Um, that that guy is pure energy. Um, I know we see him a lot in the 75th, 80th minutes. Um, I want to see a little more of him from the get-go. I just don't know with the questions in our lineup right now and the question of, you know, age for Goza, he's still running just fine. It's not like I don't trust him or anything, but, you know, we see a different style of play. Uh, I kind of much prefer him off the bench, uh, especially in a match like this. So I, one more, um, and then one more I yeah. realized because I should have mentioned his name. Do you start Nacho Ferry on Wednesday? You know, I'm going to say that depends on what happens this weekend, because if we're in a situation where we lose at Augsburg and then we're on the road again and we're feeling backs to the wall, we're now on a losing streak. I don't know if I want to tinker with too many young toys yet. Um, assuming we get a result of any kind at Augsburg, then I'm willing to play around a little bit more. I love Nacho Ferry. I think he's the future. Um, but at the same time, a little, I'm a little cautious about how deep of a pool that we throw him into at the moment. I don't want to hurt, you know, his potential by throwing him into a, a pool where he can't swim right away. I get that. Yeah. So we just have to see how Sunday so, goes. Yeah. Uh, you've got one, one at Augsburg. I've got a two, one victory. What about in Sarbrucken on Wednesday? Try trusting in true O2 uh, Frankfurt. All right. Um, I'm a, a little less confident, but I'm going to say 1-0. I think it, it's a clean sheet. Um, Kevin Trapp's still going to have something to prove, even after having a big day at Augsburg. So it's going to be close and uncomfortable, but we'll get the job done. Certainly uh, hoping for the best there. Uh, Garrett, it's been fun. We're going to do it again next week. After these matches, uh, where can people find you in the social media landscape? Um, okay, so the personals, um, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, GM Comats, uh, Facebook, Garrett Comats, um, Eintracht Frankfurt Detroit, SKA D. Adler. That is at Detroit SKA. Um, to be determined on Sunday, uh, 1.30 kickoff for Frankfurt's also coinciding with the Lions, so I it might just be watching with those near and dear, um, but we'll plan something soon. Um, we got Bayern next weekend. Uh, that's a fun one. So We're doing something before the break. That's all we know. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And then also for any of our dear folk, too, um, any, whether you're, if you're looking for spots to watch Bundesliga or anything for football and come in. Detroit City Clubhouse uh, open Saturdays and Sundays full on. Um, plenty of opportunity to chat football with those. And you might even chat with uh, some players or people who are out of there. So um, that's my Brunch recommendation. and soccer. There's two great things, brunch and soccer, and they do both really well there. Uh, for myself, 
on all the socials, Peloton, Instagram, Discord, Twitter, etc. at C in the D313. Talked about the show at the, at the top. Uh, visit halfpod.com. All the links will be in the top right corner. Uh, Discord chat 24-7, where I'm about to light it up with some really obscure gifts that make no sense to anyone but myself. Uh, but check us out there. Uh, we'll be back with you next week to talk to you about these two matches and take a look at the Frauen coming up. Uh, thanks, as always, to our producer, Nathan, in St. Louis uh, for the show art, for the production, the fantastic turnaround. We ask a lot of him, and he always turns out excellent work. We will talk to you next week after Frankfurt brings back a lot of goals and a lot of points. Cheers. Get your smelly breath out of there. Go to the locker room, take your shower, and get on the bus. Go pack your apartment because I don't want you in Frankfurt anymore. Hey, I'm